0: Today's scripture reading is John chapter 21, verses 20 through 25. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word.
1: Good morning, East Point Church. Amen, amen, amen. What a wonderful morning the Lord has given us here as we are once again reminded of his many blessings to us, particularly those those greatest gifts of all, our children. And what a privilege it is uh, that he allows us to encourage them and nurture them and to bring them up in the fear of the Lord. Amen. 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 Congratulations uh, to all of our, our graduates this year. What a pleasure to see um, them moving up and moving on. Uh, we are getting we are very close we are getting very close to that first generation of babies who were born the year we started this is getting amazing (laughs) it is getting there amen amen and amen well our time has been well spent this morning I'm always feeling a bit insufficient after Reverend Kimberly Bino (laughs) speaks every year. I'm like, Lord, how am I going to follow that? Amen. I think she has given us a sufficient word this morning. Maybe we need to call Alan back up. (laughs) No, Pastor Phil would not like that at all. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So. Lord willing, we'll be uh, briefed this morning as we um, look at these final words of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospel of John. We've been going through this series of messages on the Gospel of John for a couple of years now, and we have finally come to the end of the Gospel, and so what we'll do this morning is reflect a bit on the overall message of the Gospel of John, and then at the end, we'll spend a few minutes reflecting on our Lord's last conversation um, with Peter, as he instructs Peter and disciples Peter, and in doing so, disciples us and the church as well. Amen? Amen. Well, the word of God has been read in our hearing this morning. Let us pray and the Lord make it effectual as we meditate upon it together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord that you are faithful, that you are just, that you are God who has forgiven all of our sins, brought us into covenant relationship with you, established us in your beloved, and granted us the hope and the assurance of eternal life. Thank you. Thank you for the messages that you have given us from the Gospel of John. We do pray even now as we reflect upon this blessed gospel that we would be reminded of Jesus. That we would hear Jesus. That we would see Jesus. That we would love Jesus again. And again we pray in his name. Amen. There's a poet by the name of Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Most of you probably are not familiar with her name, but dare say I bet you are familiar with the opening words of her sonnet 43. It reads How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach when feeling out of sight for the ends of being an ideal grace. And then she concludes the sonnet by saying, I love thee with a love I seemed to lose with my lost saints. I love thee with the breath smiles, tears of all my life, and if God choose, I shall love thee better after death. you listen to these words of um, Mrs. Browning, and you hear the quality of her poetry and the intensity of her affection, you cannot help but wonder To whom is Mrs. Browning speaking? Whom is she referring? Is it some male suitor or lover? Or perhaps it is a fantasy of someone that she envisions herself speaking to. Or perhaps, and therefore be even more importantly, Speaking about the Lord. The one who is the ultimate desire of our affections. Was she speaking of a lover of some fantasy or was she speaking of the Lord? We may never know for sure, but what we can be sure of is this, beloved, and that is that the love of God does and should produce great love and devotion in those whom he loves. And if that's the case, then it would not be surprising to us if she was actually speaking of the Lord. Whether or not she was speaking of the Lord is not the case I would want to make this morning. The case that I would want to make this morning is that these words could be and are spoken to us by the Lord. How do I love thee, the Lord says, Let me count the ways. Here is an amazing truth, beloved. God loves us. Now, that doesn't hit us like it should because we trivialize love and we say it so flippantly and meaninglessly. But God loves us. And all that love really means. He cares about us. He cares what we think. He cares what we know. He cares what we believe. He cares because he loves. And in fact, beloved, it is because of the love of God, that we have the gospel of John. Because God so loves. Isn't that the key verse in the whole gospel? John three sixteen. If you know no other verse in the gospel of John, then you know this one. For God so loved the world, That he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but would have everlasting life. The Gospel of John, you know what it does? It tells us who that son is the one through whom God has loved the world. Who is that? The Gospel of John tells us. The Gospel of John is God explaining Jesus. John chapter 20 verse 31 reminds us, right, that the Gospel was given so that you and I might know who Jesus is and in knowing him have eternal life through him that's what love is i believe that was foreign who said that right for those of us who have a certain age and familiar with pop music where's amanda when i need her i want to know what love is i want you to show me i want to feel what love is i know you can show me That's what love is. Love desires the best. That's what love does. A husband loves his wife as he is helping her be the best her. A wife loves her husband by helping him be his best. Parents love their children by encouraging and helping them become their best this is god's love for us he wants us to have the best life eternal life through jesus christ that's what love is you want to know what love is this is love jesus christ revealed in the gospel of john the logos the lamb the lord that's who he is and that's love beloved the revelation of jesus christ as the logos the lamb And the Lord. That's the love of God. For you and I this morning. For you and I this morning. Jesus Christ revealed. As the Logos. The love of God. The love of God. Is Jesus Christ. Revealed. As the Logos of God. In John chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says, And the word, the Logos, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came to the world, As the revelation of God. He is the revelation of God's compassion. He is the revelation of God's wisdom. He is the revelation of God's mercy. He is the revelation of God's grace. He is the revelation of the love of God. Everything the Bible wants us to know about God is revealed in Jesus. The Logos. The Word of God. The mind of God. The heart of God. God himself. In John, chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible says, No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. That is the revelation of Jesus Christ as logos. He reveals God to us. He reveals God to us. In John chapter 14, in verse 8, when Philip asked the question... Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus replied in John 14 and verse 9, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. I am the revelation. I am the revelation of God. I am the revelation of the Father. I am the Logos, the Logos of God. I keep saying Lagos, beloved, but what is that? That's a cool word. Lagos. People like to say it. They like to say it. People in the Bible teaching in Sunday school, they like to say the word Lagos because it's easy to say. Give people an impression that you've been paying attention and that you can speak Greek. (laughs) It's cool. It's cool. Lagos. But what does it mean? What does it mean, beloved? In John chapter 1 and verse 4, the Bible says, The word Logos gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Simply put, beloved, Lagos is the word of life, the eternal life of God, and that life has come to us. This is life, and if this is life, this is love. It's better life. It's the life of God. You want to love someone, do you really want to love someone? Make their life better. How do you know, how do you know that that young man or that young woman is for you? Ask the question, does he or she make your life better? As the song reminded us, you can do bad all by yourself. He or she makes life better. That's what God does. That's the revelation of the Logos. That's what God did in sending Jesus Christ as the Logos. He sent him so that you and I would have better life. He revealed him as better life, better love. The Gospel of John says that's why Jesus came. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus himself said, I came that you might have what? Life. And not just any life, but better life, abundant life, because That's Logos. That's what love is. You want to know what love is? It's the Logos of God. Revealed through Jesus Christ. Coming to make your life better. To give you eternal life. That's what love is. God loves us unto eternal life. That's what love is. Jesus Christ revealed as the Logos. But he's also revealed as the Lamb. Love is the Logos, but also Love is the Lamb. From the very beginning of the Gospel of John, Jesus is revealed as the Lamb of God. Beloved, it is the love of God that sent the Lamb of God. Don't miss that. It is the love of God that brought forth the Lamb of God. And when Jesus first appeared on the scene, the Bible says that John the Baptist saw him. And when John the Baptist saw him, he declared in John chapter 1 in verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God, who comes to take away the sin of the world the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. He is not just any lamb. He is the Lamb of God. He is the Lamb from God. He is the Lamb provided by God. And he does not just cover sins, beloved. That's what the lambs in the Old Testament did. No, he does not just cover sins. The Bible says that he takes away sin. Takes away sin, all sin. Now we don't have time to dive into it this this morning, but I wish I could just take some time and help you to unpack what I am confident that we have failed to grasp what it means for Christ to have taken away your sin. It is gone. Yeah, you don't believe it. I don't believe it. You don't believe it because we don't live it. We don't live as if we are totally accepted by Jesus. We don't live as if all of our sins have been forgiven. We don't live free in Christ and let others do so also. Because the idea of our sins being totally taken away has reached our heads but has yet to get to our hearts. So pray it will someday but this is the love of God for us that in the Lamb of God he has taken away all your sin. He has taken away that which is separated you from God. You do know that the separation between God and you was sin. That's what separated you from God. And all the lambs in the Old Testament did was cover that up for a moment. But the Lamb of God comes and that which separated you is not now covered up. But that which separated us from God has totally been taken away. And so now the Bible says in Romans 8 and 37 that there is nothing that now separates you and I from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Gone. Gone. All of it. Gone. That's what love does. It reconciles. Love breaks down barriers. Love overcomes obstacles. Love tears down walls. Love takes away sin. That's what love does. That's what love is. And Jesus Is the loving Lamb of God. The Lamb who willingly came. Who willingly came. The Lamb who willingly and graciously gave. The Lamb who gave his life for all the other lambs. The sacrifice who put an end to all sacrifices. You do know, beloved, that in the Old Testament, the high priest had to tie the lamb to the altar. Why? Why would you tie the lamb to the altar? You tie the lamb to the altar because the lamb didn't willingly go. And if you didn't tie him down, he was going to get up and run away. You know they nailed Jesus to the cross. But as the old choir would say, it wasn't the nails that held him there. The ransom was high and only he could pay the cost. It wasn't the nails that held him to the cross. It was love. Love held him there. And because he loved, beloved, he wasn't going anywhere. Jesus knew why he was there. He knew that he was the loving lamb of God, laying down his life for us, come to take away our sin. Now behold the lamb, the precious lamb of God. Why he loved us so, I shall never know. The precious, precious lamb of God. You want to know what love is? That's love. love That's the revelation of God in John. The love of God as the logos. The love of God as the light. The love of God in Jesus as the Lord of love. This is who Jesus is. He is the Lord of love love. He's revealed as the loving Lamb, but this is because he is the Lord of love. The life of Jesus in the gospel of John is a life of love. And this is why he came. Again, John 3.16 tells us that for God so loved the world that he sent his son. His son was sent in love. He came as the Lord of love to lay down his life in love, to lead his people in love, to reveal, to show forth, to demonstrate the love of God like the world has never seen before. And that is Who the son of god is the embodiment of the love of god and you see this in his final interaction with peter at the end of the gospel his last words with peter in the gospel of john last words in this loving revelation is a revelation again of the love of god for his people You know, the Gospel of John reveals to us about Jesus in no uncertain terms. Beloved, You you cannot miss this if you are reading the Gospel of John with any type of attentiveness. You cannot miss this, and that is that Jesus is the sovereign Lord, that he is the Lord. He is the Lord who declares that he will not lose one sheep. He is the sovereign Lord who declares that no one takes his life, but he lays his life down. He is the sovereign Lord who declares in John 6 and 35 that I am the bread of life, who declares in John 8 and 12 that I am the light of the world, who declares in John 10 and 11 that I am the good shepherd, who declares in John 11 and 25 that I am the resurrection and the life, who declares in John 14 and 6 that I am the way, the truth, and the life, who declares in John 15 that I am the true vine? These are the declarations of Jesus. Who would dare make such statements? Who would dare to say such things? C.S. Lewis has suggested that if you are to take someone serious who says such things like this, then that person would have to either be a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. Well, John is clear. Jesus is no liar. And Jesus is no lunatic. What the Gospel of John says is that Jesus is Lord, the Lord of love. And this is what we see as he comes to his last interaction with Peter here in this Gospel. This last section appears to have been given to us in order to demonstrate Jesus' loving discipleship And discipline of his disciples as you do realize right that in John chapter 20 and verses 30 and 31 it would seem like the gospel of John had come to its conclusion telling us why the book was written but then we have chapter 21 and why is chapter 21 given to us because Jesus is going to demonstrate his loving discipline and discipleship of his disciples and reminding us of how he continues to disciple his people today the lord had saved peter this is the lord who's going to Speak to Peter. This is the Lord who was going to discipline Peter. This is the Lord who is going to disciple Peter. It is the Lord who had saved Peter. It is the Lord who had forgiven Peter. This is the Lord who had loved Peter. This is the Lord who continues to love his disciples now. It's the Lord who loves you. It's the Lord who saves you. It's the Lord who has forgiven you. This is the Lord who disciples you. He disciples you. The Lord disciples you. I know, I know, I know, I know. We like to disciple each other and we call, you know, well, you know, disciple her. You need to disciple him. You need to disciple her. You need to disciple him. And I get it. But Jesus reminded Peter, "I disciple John, and I disciple you. Don't get it twisted. It is the Lord who disciples His people, and so we see here, He is the one who disciples. He is the one who who disciplines." He is the loving Lord who told Peter after he had forgiven Peter, after he had welcomed Peter back into the fold in John 21 and verse 17. Okay, now, Peter, you feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Point my sheep, Peter. Point my sheep to me. Feed them the words of life that they might see me. Point them to me, and I will disciple them. He is the same Lord then, after he tells Peter to feed my sheep, who then tells Peter, after Peter takes his eyes off Jesus and puts his eyes on John and says, yeah, but what about him? Jesus says to Peter, mind your own business. You follow me. I'll disciple John and I'll disciple you. Because he is the loving Lord. He is the loving Lord who loves, he is the loving Lord who leads. He loved Peter back into the fold. And now, then, he's leading Peter into paths of righteousness. That's what he does. But you know, Peter. Peter's like you, and Peter's like me. You know, Peter's like you, and Peter's like me. We're Peter. And when the Lord tells us to do something, immediately we want to know. What he said to everybody else. Amen. Immediately immediately as the Lord is leading us, we want to look around and see if he's leading everybody else the same way. Peter is saved, beloved. Peter is safely in the kingdom. But like many of us, he is still thinking in worldly ways. And before he could do what the Lord had told him to do, he wanted to know what the Lord had called John to do. Beloved, this is as old as the Bible this is Cain and Abel. This is Jacob and Esau. This is Joseph and his brothers. This is you and me. Peter was concerned would God, would John get a better calling? He was concerned, Would John have more followers? Would he get more likes? Would God be more gracious to John than Peter? Would John be more loved and be granted more favor? And you see how the Lord speaks and responds to Peter. By saying, as he says to us today, you see how he disciples and how he disciplines. What does the calling and gifts of John have to do with the calling and gifts that I've given to you? Why don't you mind you? Why? Why? Why is it important, beloved? That is important because, and don't miss this, John won't have to answer for Peter. And Peter won't have to answer for John. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 12, the Bible says that each of us We'll have to give an answer for ourselves before the Lord. And no offense, beloved, no offense, but I'll take God's judgment over yours. I'll trust his grace and mercy over yours. This is the love of Christ to Peter. I got you, Peter. I got John. Don't worry about John, Peter. I got you. I got you. Why? Because the love of God is a particular love. It is fashioned just for you. And you don't have to be jealous over God's love for others, beloved. His favor is not limited. His love does not have a cap on it, and Peter, you should know this, beloved. It is if anybody should know this is Peter, and the reason that Peter should know it is because it is in the times when I am acutely aware of my sin. That the love of God becomes most precious and apparent to me. And if you have ever been aware of your sin, then you would know this. That the love of God is greater far than any tongue or pen could tell. And it goes beyond the highest star. And it reaches to the lowest hell. It's far, far, far greater. It is indescribable. It is inexhaustible. It is undeniable, beloved. And the grace and the love that God gives to another does not in any way. or time hinder the grace he has for you Peter is not getting John's grace but John is not getting Peter's grace believe me beloved believe me when I say you are not getting Pastor Tony's grace and mercy And the reason I know that you're not getting it because you don't need that much. I need more than anyone I know. And that's why I'm not getting yours. It wouldn't be enough. You don't have to worry, Peter. You're not getting John's. You're getting yours you know what the Bible says? 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. That you get the grace and mercy that is sufficient for you. That is enough for you. That is enough to help you. I think Peter needed to hear the song that we sing. And he giveth more grace as burdens grow greater. He sendeth more grace as burdens grow greater. sendeth more strength as labors increase. To add his afflictions, he added his mercy to multiply trials, his multiplied peace. That's what love does. That's what love does. It disciples us, it disciplines us, and it directs us to Jesus. Where we find grace, when grace is needed where we find help when help is needed. Love gives forgiveness when forgiveness is needed. And this is why Jesus is the Lord of love. How do I love thee, he says. Let me count the ways. I loved you in life. I loved you in death i loved you with my very last breath i loved you to start i'll love you to the end and i'll keep on loving you till you see me come again and beloved that's that's the way the gospel of john